for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you. I certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're praying for you. We're so honored that you take the time to tune in and bring us into your homes. We're continuing to move forward on the book of Philippians, living a life with a capital L. We certainly hope it's a blessing to you. Make sure you continue to tune on, share it with your friends. We'll be back soon with our regular format, but we want to continue this blessing going. Uh, We continue to heal up from my surgery, and God's just doing a work in me, and I hope he's doing work in you. Hang with us. Here we go. The Lord and Savior. And and folks, when you move forward, God starts doing things. God starts doing a work and whose end is destruction for our conversation in verse 20 is in heaven from whence also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, folks, we're pilgrims. We're different. We live a different life. We're in a different place. We don't get hung up with that. We're not going to stay there. We're not. We're moving forward. You want to have a good life? Hey, people in families, there's families out there. These people hate each other. That's got to be the most difficult thing in the world. I was doing marriage counseling some years ago. Unfortunately, I'm the marriage counselor of the missionaries, you know, and I dig that. It's a, it's a cool distinction to have. They'll call the board. Yeah, my wife hates me. She's kicking me out, you know. Call Doug, you know. So I'll talk to these people, and I say, yeah, I got, I got seven of them right now. It's okay. I dig them. And, uh, man, when they get their marriage right, it's fun. You know, because, but anyway, I was talking to these people and they said, yeah, we hate each other. We sleep in different rooms. We can't stand each other. We yell at each other. I said, how's that working out for you? Now, I don't know what that, you know, listen, I've been married 40 years and this is what I, 40 years, October, it freaks me out. I don't know how that happened, but I've been married and this is what I know. When we're both happy and treat each other with respect, we're both happy. Happy spouse, happy house, happy wife, happy life. Any way you want to go, we're happy. You know, so I'm not going down, the, I'm not going to live that miserable thing. It just doesn't work out. And so we, let's open the Bible, let's memorize some verses together, let's study the Bible, let's do those things, and let's learn from God. It matters in our families, too. You know, Matthew 18 pertains to your family, too. People don't like to hear that. It does. God loves interpersonal communication. He tells us how to do it. And uh, it said, who shall, there in verse number 21, who shall change our vile body? That's what we are. We're these vile body people uh, that we may be fashioned like unto the glorious body according to the work in whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. God is able, brethren. He's able to take our nasty, vile selves. He's able to take our sinner selves. He's able to take this old Roman Catholic, this old altar boy, got fired for stealing wine out of the back room. He's able to take the guy who, I was, uh, I was the Georgia director of the Episcopalian Church when I was stationed in Columbus, Georgia. I kissed the ring of the Archbishop of Canterbury, and all I caught was a cold. And God likes me, Brother Spell. So much that he died for me at Calvary. And if I stay the same, I'm the most vile, wickedest, no good for nothing human being that you ever met in your life. God changed everything in my life. And and, and I get to live that life. I come from generations. I was told at five years old, you're going to be a priest. That freaked me out. I didn't like the priest. I didn't like the whole confession booth thing. That used to spook me. 
But now I get to go directly to God. I serve a God who's bigger than all that. I serve a God who's bigger than uh, papal authority. I serve a God who's bigger than priesthoodship. I serve a God who saved me right where I was. I didn't need an intermediary. I didn't need any of that. I didn't need to come along. And then in chapter 4, we take off. We see that word, therefore, again. And uh, uh, whenever we see that word, therefore, we go backwards. God's saying there's three chapters in this book that I've covered, therefore. I've told you all this. We need to get right. We need to be humble like God. We need to trust God. We need to act God. We need to be like God. And he's saying, therefore, get this. If you do this, let's keep going. We need to do this, folks. We need to live in this zone. Therefore, my brethren, and dearly beloved and longed for my joy and my crown, to stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. He, he gives a talk, and he's talking about the athletics of that day. He's saying, man, you, you know, my crown, my, uh, my joy, and, and I, you know, there's going to be a day, folks, we know about the crowns that we earn here on earth. Uh, they're not for us. We're going to lay them at Christ's feet and say, man, I've failed. I've let you down. I've messed this up. We get to lay them at Christ's feet. That, that, that's the only thing we can give him. And look what it says, I beseech. Don't you love this Yodius? And uh, now some people argue about this next word, but I'll, I'll tell you, it's Sintichi. Uh, 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 some people call it Sintiki. When, when I went to seminary, they called it Sintiki, but when I looked it up on anyway, you don't got to get into it. They of the same mind of the Lord, I beseech these two ladies, old Yudi and Sinni. He says, I love you. I knew you. I beseech you. Folks, we're going to learn about these two ladies, Yodius and Sintichi. We're going to learn about them. These are good women. They're brought up in the Bible in a bad kind. Con- Can I tell you, good people get turned around sideways yeah, once in a while. Yeah, good people get messed up and they hate people. They hate their friend they sit next to at church. They hate their, their people. We get that way, don't we? And he's yeah. talking about two pretty wonderful ladies here. And he says, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, those women which labored with me of the gospel with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. He stops and he says, you know what? You two ladies, you labored with me. You were there when, when things were terrible. You were there when things were good. Don't you love people who labor with you? When we planted our church, we had a woman who made Filipino food every week. I'm telling you, brother, I think there's a crown for that. I haven't found it yet in the Bible. But when we were at Fort Drum, people would, if you were a new visitor to our church, you got Filipino food. Of course the pastor had to be there, brother. You just can't feed people. I wanted to know what was going on. Ah, She labored with me. Those people labored with me. I can remember those women being at the nursing home, those men getting up early, people passing out tracts, families dedicating their life, knocking on doors. People who labor with you can get messed up. People who love, and that's all right. God forgave us, so we forgive them. And we go to him and say, hey, we want to forgive you. We want to bring you back in with us. We want you to be part of this. And, and that's what's going on there. And it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I say rejoice. Let your moderation and uh, let your moderation be known unto all men. And the Lord is at hand. Be gracious. Be gentle. I hear that word moderation and I think about we need to be gentle. We need to be gracious. We need to be those types of people that show grace to people that love people and that care for people. We need to be those kind of people that can make a difference in people's life, but you can't do that on your own. Because by nature, I want to be laying on my couch watching NCIS. 
By nature, I want to be watching old cop shows. That's who I am. I want to be eating, you know, those little Entenmann apple pies, you know, those little ones that come into packages, uh, coconut cream pie, spaghetti. I mean, that's where I want to live. But I'm not doing anything for anybody else when I live there. God's saying, be gentle, have moderation, spend time with people, care for people, love people. That's what that means. And then it says, be careful for nothing. Boy, isn't that something that the Bible, that the Word of God would look at us and say, be careful for nothing. We live in a volatile world. We live in a wicked world. There's people who go out there and they'll shoot people. There's people out there that are crazy. There are a bunch of people out there going to hell. And the Bible's telling us, be careful for nothing. It's saying, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. I don't think I give enough thanksgiving. God knows I don't want to have ingratitude. I don't want to be that type of human being that, uh, you know, that doesn't go to God and say, thank you for my kids. Thank you for my wife. Uh, thank you for those things you do. And I forget how much God does in my life. I forget how much I care for. And then Scott calls me today. And I forgot it was phone call time. And he's like, brother, I remember you laying on the ground screaming. I said, thanks for that thought. He said, but you weren't really crying. You were just screaming. I said, well, appreciate that. I remember I had an eyeball that was kind of sticking out sideways and a smashed eye socket. So they fixed one and the other eye was higher. Than, it got ugly. The next three months of surgery, I said, man, they're throwing me out of the army. We're not going to have any money. I told my wife, you know, I'm sorry I bought a car last month. This isn't going to work. Life stinks. I'm going to the garden to dig some worms. Big, fat, juicy. I mean, it's over. Then this Air Force major came over one day. I'll never forget old Art Greenlee. I think I told him about you once. Art Greenlee was the guy after I got saved. He, it, of all the people stationed on base, there's one office building on my side of Fort Belvoir, Virginia, one little office, and there's one major from the United States Air Force who's assigned in that building with a secretary, and that's where my house is, and he looks out his window and sees me smoking a cigarette about 45 days after I got saved and runs over and says, share one of those blessings with me. Wow, I never smoked a cigarette again. I'm afraid to walk by them in the store, praise God. I don't, want, I don't want people to think I'm sharing those blessings. I said, Art, what do I got to do to get... He'd come over and tell me every single day. On his way home from work, he'd say, hey, I wrote down some stuff for you to study. Get right. I'm praying for you. And then he did the most terrible thing anybody ever did to me. He was the junior church pastor. He got orders. He was moving away in three months, and I'd been working with him for three years. I loved him, man. I had learned things. I went to the Bible Institute. Man, I was in charge of visitation. I learned all kinds of things. Art was looking out for me. He was hugging me. He was loving on me. He hey, folks, we'll be right back with you. Hang with us. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. Here we go. Talk me into being, I told you guys about being the treasurer for seven days. I told you that in church, yeah. Yeah, the guy's running his mouth in the meat, and I said, shut, shut up $7 last year and sit down. I got fired, but Art made me do that. Yeah. And I'll tell you, man, I can't. And it came to the point where old Art said, I talked to the pastor. We're installing you as the junior church pastor. 
I said, Hart, I haven't made one decision in the last three years. You, you've always done them for me. I don't know if I can do this. I mean, I'm allowed to make decisions at home, but I'm afraid. He said, Brother Doug, he said, you're ready. He said, be careful for nothing. Get up and pray, Brother Doug. He said, you've got this. I remember I took him and his family to the airport, and uh, they were getting ready to go to Germany over K-Town. And I took him to the airport. We had two vans. We had a church van, another van, a luggage. He came out there, and he was crying. Man, when we serve God, isn't that a wonderful thing? We got to the airport. There was 30 kids from our kids' group already there. They took a whole busload of them. And we're all cheering for art. I remember the kids saying, you made a difference in our life, Mr. Greenlee. I remember I went to the car and I was crying. I said, baby, I can't make a difference like Art did, man. <laughs> and those kids, but be careful for nothing. What God can do in your life is beyond anything you can imagine. Oh, my, what God can do in your life if you're careful for nothing, if you pray, if you give thanksgiving, be thankful. Ingratitude is a terrible thing for a Christian to have. Folks, I'll tell you, I write my prayer letters and every month I'm not overseas so I don't have to have my missions agency or anything like that send them for me. So I, I get there every month and I, and I pray over each one I send out. And I want to have gratitude. I want to love. These are people going to work and giving of their abundance to me. I always think when I do that, there's somebody somewhere praying for me. There's people praying for me. And... Uh, and, and, oh, man, be careful for nothing. Then it says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. You know, there's a great promise there. There's peace from God. It's not the peace you're looking for in this world. It's not, you know, being on the highest hill and having the 10th mountain division all wrapped around you. It's not having planes ready to strike. It's No, it's bigger than that. It's the peace that comes from God and says, you're on the right path. You're going the right way. Everything's going to be all right. And uh, that kind of peace is what we need in our lives. But you've got to plug into God. What you plug into is where your energy comes from. You've got to plug into God. You've got to have that energy. And boy, what a work God does with that. And, uh, and it says in verse 8, now the most important verse, I think, in all of Philippians, God saved for us here in verse number 8 in chapter 4. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, it gives us a litmus test for life. You ever get all wound up, someone calls you, someone does something in your life, and, and man, you just want to react. When I was in the army, I was taught to defeat the enemy even if they were within our ranks. Somebody sent out a bad email, I sent out three bad emails. If somebody sent one back, I sent out 12 bad emails. If somebody got to the general, I went to the general. Then I got saved. And what a difference that piece is. If somebody sent me a bad email, you know what I started doing? Thank you. Thanks for sending me an email. Have a good, that freaked people out. People didn't know what to do, and I'd never do anything else. I just went about my business. General said to me one day, he said, hey, did you see that, that email that colonel, that brigade commander sent you from Italy? I was working with Montgomery C. Miggs at the time. Montgomery C. Miggs III, a four-star general. He said, did you see that email that guy wrote about our retention program down there in Italy? Boy, that guy hates you guys. I said, I only looked at it once. I said, and I think that was too much, General. He said, I agree with you. And we just, I mean, we're the number one retention army 
in the entire world, and this knucklehead's writing me, tell him I'm not sending him the right guys for his brigade. And I'm thinking to myself, if I answer this, there's nothing good that can come out of an answer. So I just deleted it. And even back then in the Army, there was this great thing called blocking. You know, you could, you could drag them over to junk. I didn't work for them. I worked for the four-star general. The general said to me, you got the last four emails from Colonel so-and-so? I said, sir, there's a wonderful feature. You grab their email, and you drag it into junk, and you let it go. It goes, boom, just like that. That's what I did on old Outlook back then. It went, bing. I said, bing, he's gone, general. It's all gone. He says, man, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. And I said, is it true? That's the first thing you got to ask yourself when these bad things come. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Don't go any farther if it's not true. Stop. Don't give energy to it. Don't give life to it. Don't give soul to it. Don't give anything to it. If it's not true, stop right there. Reply on the email or phone call. Thanks for calling. Hang up. Just get over it. Once in a while, uh, I mean, years ago when I was on deputation, 20-something years ago, 20 years ago, I remember I was driving down the road, and I, this pastor called me and said, I want you to come in and preach for me. I went in to preach for him, and then he told me, well, I thought you were this kind of missionary. I think it was the old BBF thing or something, and now I'm sad you're here. I said, it's okay, so I packed up the car, and I left. I just said, he doesn't want me. I don't want to be with him. You know, I'm I'm 12 hours closer to my wife if I leave tonight, praise God. I'm going home. I've been out on the road five and a half weeks. Got about 200 miles down the road, maybe 300. Pastor calls and says, hey, did you leave a church up there? I said, yeah. He said, I'm so proud of your brother. He said, he said, that's a beautiful thing. But he says, he's real mad at you. He found my number at the police station. I said, I'm over it, brother. I'm just moving on. I'll be home tonight. And I hope I never see that guy again. Then he would send me letters in the mail and stuff and say, oh, dear brother, I think we should... Junk. Bing! <laughs> Is it true? There's nothing true about that. Bing! There's certain people you got to answer. Some guy at our church out in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania who doesn't like me. Bing! <laughs> Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Then it goes to this next line. Whatsoever things are honest. So here's our litmus test for life. Are we going to live this out? Are we going to be engaged in some kind of warfare? Are we going to continue on a conversation? Are, are our worlds going to be turned up? Well, it's not honest. Sorry. Bing. Let them go. Just drop. It's a fun. It's liberating when you drop people in that junk pile. I'm telling you, it changes everything. I blocked people on my phone. The other day it said, you're, uh, this is what it said. I've been blocking people for years. But the other day it said that my thing was full, you know, that my voicemail was full. I said, it's not full, baby. I said, look, there's no one there. She said, well, how about those blocked messages? I never even thought about that. There was one guy that left 70-something messages on my phone. So I called the phone company. I said, is there a way to block this guy so he doesn't make it to my block? This is embarrassing. My thing's full. Here I am thinking I'm, I didn't listen to any of them. I just clear all. And because uh, it's not honest, because it's not true. And I'm not going to let it be part of my life. And, and folks, in, in situations when they get trying, when they get tough, when times are down, when the world seems upside down, that's when the devil attacks you. And the devil has angels. And the devil has workers. And boy, they hit you with everything, don't they? You know what I've decided to do? My kids are grown up and they got their own lives. They own their own homes. They're, 
you know, I'm an old dude, right? So they've been through a lot of things. If one of them's mad at the other one, they call me up and say, yeah, I'm mad at Daniel. I call Daniel on the phone and say, hang on, bring him on the phone too. Praise God, let's do it. Hey, folks, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up tomorrow. We're so honored you're tuning us in. We hope you're having a great Monday. Look forward to you tuning us in tomorrow. May God bless you, my friends. We'll be right back with you. If we can do anything to help you, make sure you get a hold of us. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.